Four, three, two, one, and we're live. <laughs> so, Nicole, Cole, this is great. Um, the, you know, I, I enjoyed while it was fun because I got on early and I got to like see your pool just sitting there. Uh, it reminded me of a lot of the screen uh, screen shares that people use when they just have a Serenity screen uh, on their on their TV or the computer. That's what yeah. I was looking at. <laughs> Because you had, you you turned your camera on uh, way before you got in here, and I was like I was watching the the pool ripple and the beautiful backdrop. So this is good. Um, and so we're we're off and running. We've got a lot of folks out here already uh, dialed in and 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 listening. Um, the reason this is live is because we want to engage with folks that are watching. Right, we're trying to be helpful to uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. We're trying to actually uh, provide a lot of uh, input. I say I like to say we've got a big brain and a little brain on the show, right? So I've got my guest who's the big brain, <laughs> and I got a little brain, and uh, and I but I get to I have a lot of uh, friends who are, who are who are entrepreneurs like yourself, and the idea is to bring them on and um, and kind of pick their brains about how we can all kind of thrive and survive this uh, situation that we're in. So the way I like to do it is I, I start, of course, um, with my sponsor. And before I do that, though, um, let's go ahead and, uh, Cole, before we do it, we've got a little bit of walk-in music for you that we like to play, right? Do I make an entrance? <laughs> you don't have to move. <laughs> okay, I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to sit back. My dad's gonna love that that I came out to that. All right. <laughs> All right. So what's great about that is is I, I asked you. I said, okay, what's your pump up song in business in life? And sometimes you know you throw that out. Um, and uh, come a little closer to the camera, Cole, because I can barely see you right there. Come on. There you go. You're good. Um, and I and I and you sent me that, and uh, and I was like, cool, because. Fundamentally, in business, we, we want to get paid for the work that we do, right? And you said you did some time in accounts receivable. Mm -hmm. And so you have a sensitivity to making sure that, you know, you get paid for the work that you do, right? And so that song kind of triggers, kind of centers you on what has to happen on any given day or week in your business, right? Is that true? Absolutely. I mean, now more than ever. And it's just always kind of been, the, I guess, you know, it's the, it's the unwritten uh, you know, constant that you just have to keep your eye on at all times, even though your core value or your motivation may be somewhere else. It's always, you know, kind of, that's why it's my, my personal pump up song. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's the business, it's the business song, right? It's the business song. Um, and, uh, and so the, we, we did that. I want to make sure we got the walk in on that. And then I like to start with, um, my, basically my little opening slide, right? So the, the, everyone knows what the purpose of this, um, this, this show, why we're live is because we wanna actually engage with folks that are watching and we want people that are viewing and listening to actually um, weigh in with questions, right? So um, we don't wanna spend a whole lot of time on other stuff so that we can immediately engage. So I would ask everybody out there, uh, good, I got Mel out there. Uh, good to see you Thirsty Thursday, Melanie Hicks and arts out there as well with an LOL. Um, we want to get some questions and some engagement. 
So um, this is my opening slide. I said, you know, basically, is this a massive change in our lives and work? And I think the, uh, the answer is pretty obvious. But, you know, you got two camps out there, people that feel like it's um, going to be OK and it's going to just kind of V curve back up. Uh, pretty quickly. And then you've got another camp out there that says, wait a minute, I think this is going to be a lot longer and a lot harder than we expect. And we need to plan for that. You know, I tend to be in the latter camp. I, I like to plan for the worst. You, you know, Cole, you're an entrepreneur. You know how this works. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Um, I think entrepreneurs generally, the ones that survive always have a bit of a pessimistic, skeptical view of things because that's how we survive, right? That's how we deal with things. So, you know, uh, if you're waking up in the middle of the night with, you know, panic sweats and if you're continuously like paranoid about things, you probably those are probably the things that are going to help you survive this. Right. So I wanted you to maybe comment on that a little bit because I know you're dealing with it. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is about this, but I think it has a little bit to do with my history. I mean, um, if I go back 10 years ago to the financial crisis and that was when I got married and had a baby baby. So pivotal moment in my adulthood. And then, um, and that really shaped me, uh, both personally and professionally. And 10 years prior to that, you look at nine uh, 11 when I was, you know, just kind of coming of age and, and going through college and, and really questioning everything and, and not feeling that safety and security no longer. So there's something about this that I've, I guess, because I've been through two massive, uh, experiences in my life that this just feels like something else that you're going to navigate there. I felt have this feeling all along when I launched my business like three years ago that there was going to be something that happened. Did I predict this? Not at all. But I felt like there may have been some economic, um, you know, maybe recession or, or at least some, you know, some some differences in the market. So this didn't surprise me. And there, I kind of am on the other side of the camp, but normalcy will prevail. Mm -hmm. um, we figure that out. And this is just another part of the curve. So I'd like to say that it was going to change everything. Thing, and in some ways it will, but didn't it happen 10 years ago? I mean, we don't go out and frivolously buy real estate anymore and give um, loans to people that can't afford them. And, you know, we certainly don't just jump on a plane with our guns and our knives anymore. So, <laughs> so <laughs> right. sure, it's going to massively change, but that's just life. And that's just how we progress. Yeah. I love that. I, lo I love talking to people that have that more optimistic view of things because it helps offset my viewpoint. Like I'm like, I'm like struggling to. And so I love that because Frankly, um, I, we, need, we, need, we need people that are believing in this thing that can come back. Um, but for sure, I think you would agree that um, it's going to be it's going to be different, right? How do you feel like it's going to be different? Well, I think there's just the, the concept of personal touch, personal space. Um, you know, just seeing like <laughs> watching commercials and you see people hug and handshake and doing these things, and I think there's going to be a little bit of just a change overall in and how we we handle that and um, I think that the, just like it should, we're, we were experiencing such economic surplus and um, everything was growth, growth, growth. You just have people that are more prepared for those uncertain times. Um, I mean, I'm certainly one of those who's growing a business and still felt like okay, I'm just about there, just about there. And, and am I prepared for this? No, not the way that I wanted to be. Um, more cash reserves, so less spending, more thoughtfulness. So I think there's going to be some change when it comes to that. Yeah, so I got it. Um, so basically, you're like, um, you know, you're of the mindset that this, we have to weather this through and then we have to be 
able to come out on the other side and, uh, and, and perform. So before we dive back in, because Cole, I want to get your story and then we're going to get right into uh, folks out there. Because I remember again, like this, the purpose of this live twice week pilot podcast is basically to get feedback and interaction from people. Um, we've got a sponsor, by the way. So Secure Startup is... Uh, is a is our sponsor for this for the podcast and actually this is their second week and this will be the last of the run for this sponsor we have a new sponsor next week and uh for secure startup this is the the best platform for startups that are work to share and manage their documents working with investors right whether everything from nda to term sheets and making sure that the uh that it's for the eyes of the investor only and it's quite secure and it's the best platform out there. There's actually very few platforms out there that do this well. And uh, they're very, the ones that there's a couple out there that are very ridiculously expensive. Secure startup is, is uh, affordable on a startup budget and allows you to kind of manage through that investor process. By the way, it's tough to, to get investors, um, you know, interested right now, but believe it or not, at the at the startup accelerator that I work with, we've actually got a good number of, of of investors that are making moves on companies right now. So, you know, again, you buy low, you sell high, you opportunistic, and you know, the definition of investing is to you know get in on things when others can't, right? So, and then you ride the uh, the wave up. Okay, so I've got some great questions already flowing in here. Um, Carl's got Murphy's laws alive and well. Lisa says we're finding new ways to stay connected. Thank you, Lisa. You're right. And then Daniel says this is the new abnormal. It will change the way we interact, digitizing every aspect of what we do. Um, you know, so Cole, I'm going to queue up some of these questions. Let's take about five, no more than 10 minutes. Let's get your background a little bit. And uh, I kind of already teased everybody out there about how you, um, you know, you basically kind of clawed and scratched your way up the, the uh, you know, kind of the economic ladder, right? Um, you know, in college, you took this crazy door-to-door book selling job. You got to tell us about that. That's It was insane when you told me the story before. Yeah, no, it's uh, that one's fun. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I was I was in a course, an agribusiness course at UF, and uh, this, this team of folks walked in, and they were, proposing this great summer internship and I can make all this money. Um, it was a company called Southwestern. And, and you fell for this. Totally hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, this is gonna, this is it. And I thought, I could do anything for three months. <laughs> wow. Um, so we, uh, we were transported up to Pennsylvania. We went through training. And then we had to, we literally, our first door-to-door job was finding a place to live. We had to, and they don't do this anymore, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Knock door to door to find where you're going to live for the summer. Like, hi, would you know anybody that would be willing to let us college students live with them for? Oh, I don't remember this part. Okay, yeah, this is this is probably you would have to knock on doors to find where you would like to find someone to take you in. What? Sure did. So we uh, ended up living in Pleasant Hills in Pennsylvania for three months with a a, a pastor and his wife, and. um, with my with my roommates and slowly we started with four and we ended with two because it's a tough gig to make it last doing this six days a week knocking on doors from a.m to 9 p.m um and selling educational reference materials in 2002. So So you had to first of all you had to sell your you had to sell yourself into a place to live and then you had to get up every day and sell books door to door. 
Absolutely, yes. All right. So now you told me that everything after that, with the rest of your life, was kind of easy. Honestly, <laughs> it really was <laughs> Up until like window cleaning in the summer. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it really was. It was just such a challenge to continue to to and everything I went back to after that point. It was like this is pretty easy process stuff. I mean, yeah. when I, you know, you're just the law of averages. At some point, someone will say yes to your book sale. Um, it was super easy. I transitioned back into working at the makeup counter for Dullard's. Did that mm -hmm. from college, and it was so easy to sell makeup. And this stuff is easy. This isn't books. Everybody wants this stuff, you know. Right, and and you knew it like it was something you personally could you know uh, relate to as well. So you did the uh, you went you found your way to Dillard's selling the you know on the retail floor, and you did that for a good number of years. How did you end up at the marketing company as as a salesperson? Okay. This was so, a sale, obviously a sign. It was a, they, they put sign they put big physical signs out. That was the business, right? Correct. So this was uh, I think it was twenty three, and mm -hmm. I uh, decided to leave retail, and I, I took a big leap and went into recruiting. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, that's right. Before, yes. Yeah, got fired. Yeah, because you put your resume out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. You posted your resume, and they said, "You, uh, uh, why are you posting your resume? Do you, you don't, you are you trying to not work here?" And you're like, uh, 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 "And they're like, well, we'll see you later." That was a shock to the system. Yeah, I remember my exact words were, "Well, I've got to keep my options open." And they're like, "Yeah, you sure do. Bye." <laughs> so that was a shock. And so, um, I I went to our competitive recruiting firm, and uh, I think it was called Personnel One. Yeah. And they were like, um, wow, you have a lot of great background. I'm like, yeah, I just need something temporarily. I'm going to go back into retail. And um, I was seeing Melanie saying she sold knives. That's what I'm talking about. You got to stick to <laughs> Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you catch something I didn't see? Oh, Melanie, what? Melanie, you sold, you sold knives? Okay. Wait a minute. Can, hold on. Hold on. I, I, this is an interaction show because, and I'm just going to say it right now, Melanie, I need you to jump in right now, okay, because – this is how this show is wired. We are not going to carry on until you, your mic is turned on, Melanie. You sold knives. We got to hear this story. All right, your mic is on. Go, Melanie. <laughs> You're there. We'll give you. There's just a little bit of a lag. We'll let you have it. You're in Colorado Springs. I see that. Are you there? Your mic is on. She's typing. Oh, she might be typing. Uh, let's see. Hold on. She has Hold her mouth. Can't talk. She's Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to it. Okay, Mike. Hey, Ma <laughs> Hold on, I got to screenshot that. Wait, I, I fixed it. Okay, you did fix it. Yes, okay. you did. Yes, it's it's not a mask, although it could be because I have mine handy too. Um, yeah, I was incredibly. Uh, well, shy at sales, not shy. I actually did theater and stuff. So, but that was like a fake thing. And I challenged, I was challenged one summer to sell something. And so I got roped into a similar talk. Now I didn't have to move. I was in high school, so um, I didn't move. I still went home every night, but to sell knives for three months. And it was this whole, uh, it was Cutco. They're actually fantastic knives. I actually still own some, but the process of going door to door and setting up these presentations and cutting through pennies to prove that the scissors would cut through anything that went along with the knives and cutting all these vegetables all summer long. It was petrified. I was petrified and like, uh, but it was definitely a growing experience that taught me 
yes, you can you can get through anything in three months. And also, uh, you know, it is. I liked your comment a, a lot of averages, right? Like, you may get a hundred no's, but someone is going to say yes. Someone, if you knock on enough doors, someone will buy your knives. <laughs> Melanie, did you go? Did you go door to door on that? Yeah, I started with like all of my parents' friends, so it was like quote unquote warm leads. But what I started yeah. to figure out was most of them were just doing letting me do the presentation as a favor and they never yeah. really intended to buy anything. So if I wanted to actually sell anything and make some money, I was gonna have to like get out of my comfort zone and, and actually knock door to door. So I did. I um I did uh, wow. some neighborhood canvassing in the friendly neighborhoods that I thought would be, you know, houses that would houses that would take me in and let me Give them a 30 minute presentation. Holy right. crap. Melanie, that's freak, that is a freaking awesome story. You know, someone, Michelle just weighed in and says she sold copiers door to door. Um, Michelle, just so you know, you, you might know this Sarah Blakely. Um, Sarah Blakely is uh, sold copiers door to door before she became a billionaire. And um, Michelle, if you're willing to. Uh, Get on mic. I just turned your mic on. We'd love to hear this story about about how you did about how you did selling copiers door to door. Yeah, you're on. By the way, Michelle. People love it how I just turn their mic on. They don't even expect it. Is here's the mic. You know. Um, go go ahead, go ahead, Michelle. If you're there, we'll give her a second. There seems to be like you know it takes a little time, but it kicks in. And by the way, so Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx, right? She sold um, copier fax machine door to door for Danka, which was a, a big copier fax machine company. Hey, Melanie, looks like you're, I mean, sorry, uh, Michelle, looks like you're there. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Okay. Hi. How are you? Yes. yes. It was actually a mistake. Um, but, you know, the guy who hired me was pretty decent looking. And I found myself for the first time ever knocking on doors of my business. Would you like to invite out there? Of course, um, first, I knew nothing about everyone there. We were supposed to walk around with a, with a screwdriver. And uh, the, the priest asked me how it worked when we delivered the same, you know, the sample. And, um, yeah, literally, that's why I sold the biggest machine ever that year at that office to the Archdiocese of St. Petersburg. Got it. And after that, I could sell anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, one second. So, um, did you, what did you say about the Archdiocese? I didn't catch that. Well, I could call the archdiocese. Why not? I mean, they were there on the street, so I knocked at the door asking if they were interested in, in checking out new copiers. And you know, this was a long time ago, right? And people people usually say yes, unless you look like you're pretty spooky, and I didn't look pretty spooky, so <laughs> they let me in. Uh, we delivered a copier. Yeah. They wanted to know how it worked, and I think my little quip i learned something when i didn't know the answer i would just come up with something really outrageous and then look at him and say i could get you the answer somewhere but not right now and people people really kind of were okay with that yeah and so i want to ask you uh, michelle so okay i'm going to jump right to the punchline here 
in this new situation we have, and I don't know your current situation, but I want, I'm curious about it. Um, folks that are either losing jobs or fear of losing jobs or this new economy, what, Michelle, what advice would you throw out there for people um, to consider in, in this new situation? Maybe you're doing it or maybe you're just advice you would give people. Look outside the box. Too yeah. many people are in that in that little box and they're going to keep saying, oh, I used to make a lot of money and they're not going to look at their opportunities. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, um, I was just on a webinar yesterday and I invited several people who, uh, who I felt had good business background mm -hmm. um, out of, you know, maybe 10 that I invited to be on that. And this is not MLM, by the way. This is actually, it has to do with cost segregation. I don't know how much you guys know about that, but um, in this economy, it's it's definitely the way to liberate cash flow for businesses who own commercial building. It is dealing with, um, with their taxes. We work with their CPAs. It's a great opportunity. Uh, so what was interesting, out of, out of the 10 people that I invited, uh, mm -hmm. probably about four opted in. Those four um, had emails back to me wanting to know what the next step was because they got it. They understood that all they had to do was open a door and they could make, they could help people, business people who own commercial building uh, because the money is in the building and the majority, probably 60 to 70% of the CPAs haven't addressed that yet and they're not able to. So right. without, without going into details, I've always looked at opportunities and I know how to make lemonade. Yeah. So, so before I let you go, because um, you got me curious, like how do commercial real estate people, like what's the, what's the pitch on that? So, so quick question. Do any of you guys own a commercial building? Probably not by the way, but okay. Assume that somebody mm -hmm. does. <laughs> well, let's just say you do. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So the majority, the majority of, um, the majority of CPAs have been depreciating commercial mm -hmm. buildings on a 39-year straight-line depreciation schedule because that's right. the way it's typically done. Uh, if it's a, a restaurant, 25 years. If it's a multi-family unit, it's 27 and a half. Anyway, the bottom line is you're looking at all of this. Um, Leslie, get in touch with me because if you know people who do, I don't know what your background is, but I can open some doors for you so right. anyway um and and this is all over the u.s by the way we're not limited to any geographic this company that i have a contract with um has done over twenty two thousand cost sex studies nationwide in the last 16 years so anyway let's get back you have a building your cpas yep. your buddy's been doing your taxes 39 street uh your straight line depreciation schedule what we are allowed to do is accelerate depreciation schedule from 39 years to immediate got it you get it all right yeah so for every million dollars worth of building you can get from between 30 to 70 thousand in permanent tax credit yeah because of what uh because of some 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 things in the care act right now the care act came up with some things um we are able to look back five years you know what Let's just say that there's so much going on with this that uh, 
using the CARE Act, using the tangible property tax regulations of 2014, which decrees that now it's the law of the land. You have to do it that way. Yeah. Because the last 16 years, you know, they had a choice. Now, how yep. did that come about? And I, I'll make that very, very short. The IRS sued HCA hospitals. You guys are familiar with them. They're a sure. really large network yep. of hospitals. They sued HCA hospital because every five years, you know, they would buy a new machine. They would redo a new parking lot. They would redo a new wing, whatever. When you don't have an asset, you can't depreciate it. So you were losing out on, you know, 30 years, 24 years, whatever worth of depreciation. Their lawyers won. Okay. So ever since for the last 16 years, you've been able to, to accelerate the depreciation. 70% of the CPAs on a call today, we had a CPA talking to some of the um, reps from the year. He told us that 60 to 70 percent of the CPAs has still have not changed that. So the money's in the building. End of yep. story. Got it. Love it. Hey, Michelle, thank you for sharing that. And you know why I let you run with that? Because this this show is supposed to be kind of an open mic situation where people are trying to help people. And um, and even though that some of that stuff might have been above my head or other people's or I don't own commercial real estate. The bottom line do. is we, we need to let ideas flow. We need to let opportunities flow. And uh, because. It's, it's tough times out there. And that's a good segue, actually, um, Cole, back to you, because, um, you, you know, you were what I love about this segue is because you were in your you were in your job in sales doing well and you were making great money. But you basically had this thing in you that said, I want to own my own business one day. And I want to make a um, an ex uh, kind of I want to break out. By the way, I. I know your backstory. It wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't like that was your uh, mo. Like you, you kind of uh, arrived at this um, indirectly, and then you kind of started making plans for that. So walk us through your thinking for this. So are you, are you, do you mean like my thinking yeah. for the business? I'm when you were, in? yeah, when you were, yeah, when you were in that sales job and you were making great money, but you were like, this is great, but I want more. Let me hear that. I'd always wanted to own my own business. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to figure out if I'm type A, B, or C entrepreneur. But still <laughs> out. Not sure. And I guess I was thinking about it, you know, you, you kind of go along. I was really lucky. I, I stumbled into working for entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I think there's something really different about that because when you're working for, for folks that are, if you're in corporate, which I, I never really, beyond Dillard's, which really, I wasn't corporate. I was on the sales floor. So yeah. um, when I'm working for entrepreneurs, they're thinking like that and they're not afraid of people that think like that. Yeah, absolutely. So and I, um, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that it meant, um, I knew that there was, it was in me the way yeah. that I, it's funny. I, I wouldn't go back to my book selling really fast because yeah, I, please. Yeah. I rarely tell people about this, but I think it was something Melanie talking about the fact that her parents were, people and that was basically how she started to develop her first network right yep well tumbled across a pta um, board member for one of the schools in my area she made a deal with me she was 
the list of all of the all of the addresses, all the kids, all the parents, names, everything. If I would give her a cutback of my sales, mm. I'm not really full about that, but I'm not kidding you. When it, I would, <laughs> I would drop a check in that lady's mailbox every week. <laughs> I didn't have to. I never did, but I did it. And so I think that spoke to like the. I was just. I knew we were in. That was my first franchise. I was paying my first royalty, Alan. Yeah, that's great. But, um, I, I think that it was like, I looked at this as a business. If she's going to give me this lead list, it's going to cut out all the, trim all the fat. I can get right to those decision makers. And right. I can make um, well, that's so how businesses run. That's how you were running yourself. Like a business would run today. Like that every business is paid for leads and they have to have affiliates and, and, uh, and they, they pay finders fees, things like that. Right. So you were kind of doing that on your own scale. Exactly. So maybe right. she indirectly taught me my first uh, marketing, my true marketing lesson. Yeah. Um, what I get in my, you know, my webinars. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how much money we got to ask? We, I love this part. So how much money did you save? Um, well, first of all, when did you decide to start saving and how much money did you save before you made your leap? I know we've jumped ahead, but I still wouldn't just get right to that. I was gonna say, do you know how much money I've made selling books? I made like twenty six grand, by the way, <laughs> selling books. I'm not shy about sharing that, but uh, but to uh, to as far as the uh, savings before, gosh, I want to say my savings were somewhere around hundred and fifty thousand. I want to yeah. say okay before launching into my business. Yeah, how did you how did you manage that? Like, who can save a hundred? Fifty thousand dollars. Like, how did you do that? I mean, I know you were good, great commissions, and you were good at what you do. But like, most of us were like, want to go, you know, raise our lifestyle. Like, how are you keeping yourself? How were you able to do that? I guess I was really lucky with um, the fact that when my, you know, being that uh, new family coming out of a recession, and we were really blessed with our first home, um, mm -hmm. being part of a family asset, and then being able to leverage that asset to open the business yeah. was really cool. Um, and then I was, um, when we were ready to purchase our first home in Tampa, it was in 2012. So we bought low. Um, we yeah. were able to um, leverage some of the equity that was in the home. Um, and then our our lifestyle. Um, yeah. I'm familiar with our area. I was living in Pasco County. Um, my husband was doing well. We just had a low cost of living. We only have one child um, and just some good mentors that, that knew I needed to you know, keep enjoy my life and enjoy my lifestyle, but also always saving for a rainy day. Right, and then and then you were able to so just so everyone to save the uh, the uh, the um, spoiler alert here. So ultimately, um, you studied a lot of things, but you said, you know what? I think a f purchasing a franchise is going to be right for Cole Robinson. Right, um, the idea of purchasing something that would have a built-in business model, a built-in customer uh a proven customer base um th that appealed to you why did you end up going franchise versus uh you know starting something brand new i don't think i ever really wanted to start anything from brand new yeah i had that i just never really felt a, a pull in that direction yeah the franchise the franchise let me see that I could be a, I could be an entrepreneur. I was in business, you know, by myself or but not or for myself but not by myself. I have that established network. 
um, some of those, some of the painful parts about working for a company that was in effect a startup within an existing company, um, this was before I launched, that helped me know what I didn't want to have to spin my wheels doing too. Yeah. Uh, creating some of those pieces, um, it, knowing what you are, what you're doing, who your target markets are, that, that was all done for me. And I could really just focus on the side of the business that's the most complicated for me now, which is, which is employees, employee retention and attracting candidates. Right. So, so you, you didn't want to like, you, you kind of, when did it like, was it your homework that kind of um, you said, Hey, I just want to pick up something and, and execute. Um, like you just wanted to get on with the business of it. You didn't really necessarily want to create like something that, you know, that had to have the risk of, of whether it could succeed or not. You wanted to pick, you wanted to make sound like you almost in a way you wanted to take your 150,000 or whatever it was and make sure that it would be a good investment. Right. Because I work with so many startups, right. And we all know about startups that, that kind of try something on their own and take a chance. Sometimes it works moderately good, poorly most time. And you said, you know what, if I've got a hundred something thousand dollars, my own money, um, I want to make a smart, I want to make sure that, um, it, it almost can't fail. That's a strong phrase, but that's what franchises ultimately give you I mean, to a certain degree. True. And I love, I appreciate that it, it appears like I did that, but in all honesty, <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to move on. I was, I was tired of what I was doing and I didn't want to get to 40 and uh, be working for somebody else anymore. Yeah. And I just knew that it needed to happen now or it wasn't going to happen. Um, I knew a couple of things. I knew that with the candidly with who was coming into office, that was going to help with the business environment. And yeah. that was open some doors for me where they might not be available. So, um, I mean, a lot of the reason why I was able to get financing and, and jump into what I did is because some of, you know, some of the things that were loosened up in, in regards to financing. Yeah. I knew, um, I knew that I was totally burnt on what I was doing before and I just didn't want to waste my prime doing that anymore. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, if I didn't just, if I didn't, at this point it was really important. My daughter's 11 years old. And so three years ago, I knew that if I didn't do the hard work that I've been doing for the last three years, I wouldn't be able to enjoy her when she was in middle and high school. Yeah. And I just want to be there. Like um, my parents were for me and I wanted to, I didn't want to miss out on any of that. And I also wanted to be financially secure enough to, for us to do whatever she wants when she graduates. Right. And so, yeah, so you, you went with this system. So it's the, the so tell us, so this is the fish window. Let's, let's hear about the, let's hear what that is in a nutshell, the window cleaning. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So in a nutshell, um, you know, 42 years ago, this couple that were um, an old savings and loan officer and his wife, they were um, riding high and they uh, had two boys and they things just didn't look like they were going to be great. And Mike walked into his boss's office and they were like, Mike, sorry, but uh, we're going to let you go. So uh, Mike Merrick, our founder, um, he was friends with our, with the window cleaner at the bank. And so he was like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, what about if I bought your window cleaning business? And so there it was born. And he saw that, man, this can really be something, a window cleaning business. And it gave them something with bankers hours. We work Monday through Friday. We work pretty much eight to five. Um, we're off on holidays. It's not life or death. And he was able to still raise his, his family and his wife was able to be involved in the business, but it didn't own them. They were able to grow it. So for 20 years, they ran a really successful window com cleaning company in St. Louis, Missouri. 
-hmm. and then they, they saw that this is our system. This is something that we can possibly franchise, and they started to do that. And the first franchise was in Tampa, Florida, believe it or not. That's that's what's weird about it. Like they they ultimately didn't stick around. They didn't make it. They didn't really uh, make their home in Tampa, Florida, right? And you, how did they sold the, a franchise to a guy that still competes with me? Yeah, I thinks he competes with me. <laughs> <laughs> I just steal business from him. Right, um, right, right. But they uh, they sold their first franchise, and now we're two hundred and seventy three strong in forty three right. states. Okay. Fantastic. So how is the, how is this economic? Okay. So you've got crews out there cleaning, you know, commercial window fronts. And by the way, one of my pet peeves, my wife will tell you is that I, I, uh, this is true. I've never, I don't know if I've said it to you this directly, but any retail store that doesn't have clean windows is, is a no go for me, honestly. Like it, it's a big, it's a big message about that store. And especially if there's food involved, right? Like forget it. Right. So um, it just says a lot about, Something about that 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 store in terms of them having crystal clear glass, um, and uh, and that's where you are, and and so how is I would imagine how is this um, this kind of Corona, this whole COVID night this COVID nineteen thing affecting you and your business right now? So system wide, fish is eighty percent commercial and twenty percent residential. Yeah. And in different um, different areas. Some of us, some of our franchises are 50, 50 commercial and residential. Yeah. Huge impact. And it's every state, every, every geographical market has been different. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, we've got, we got folks in California and Michigan that are dealing with like total lockdown, don't run business, can't do anything. And then some areas that are a little bit more liberal were, were able to do certain things. And we considered an essential business but of those 80% system-wide, a lot of that was retail, hospitality, you know, mm -hmm. related um, markets. Yeah. My particular business, I am even heavier. I'm 85% commercial. I'm 15% residential. Thank goodness this is our spike in uh, residential business. We are able to clean exteriors of homes. Um, I'm really blessed because I have a lot of essential businesses. That's my portfolio. Yeah. And so we're able to stay, um, we're able to stay at about 60% yeah. of typical operations, but I was riding at like 125% increase year over year. So that's 60% yeah. of last year. So it's not, who knows what would have been happening. Right. Exactly. And, uh, so you're, you're fighting to survive and you're doing all the things you have to do by way of cash conservation and managing through this and so forth. Um, I want to, um, want to get into like, um, folks that might be out there that that are either losing their job or might be losing their job what kind of advice um what kind of advice do you have for folks you think put yourself back when you were in your job right and you work for other people you know I, I can give you a little bit of clue of how i'm thinking is start they should start considering folks should start considering entrepreneurship as um an insurance policy slash uh, an opportunity to um, control their own destiny and not be so vulnerable. This is a big wake-up call for a lot of people, right, in terms of how vulnerable they are in their jobs. So anyway, I just want to get your thoughts on that. I'm really glad you said that because one of the reasons why I wanted a service-based business, and it just goes down to uh, what was happening with me three weeks ago. I had to lay off all my staff, and I had to do something that I said, this is the reason why I want this company. 
because mm-hmm. if ever the hell in a hand has to get, I will go clean windows. I can go clean windows. My husband can go clean windows. My mom and dad will go clean windows. We'll go clean windows if it, if it turns, I will find the customers and we'll go clean. And that's what I did when we laid off. I just went out. My husband quit after about three hours. <laughs> I, stayed, I stayed out for another seven hours. Thanks, uh, Rick. Nothing. <laughs> you know, I just knew that I could always support my family. I mean, even if I had to scale down everything and not have those luxuries anymore, I could I could take care of myself. And I think that's the freedom that we talk about with entrepreneurship. And that was what I saw. I was just really frightened. You know, when you're holding a new baby, it's eight weeks old, and your former employer that you thought loved you to death was like, "I'm sorry, I just can't can't keep you on staff anymore." You love learn that you always are the only person that's going to be able to take care of yourself. And so it was really important that I found a system that I could do that for. Um, if you don't mind, Alan, I'm seeing some, a lot of questions about the franchise. Oh, please do hit them, hit those questions. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have to scroll back up, but as far as, uh, someone asked, as far as what about the franchise, I do have specific territory. We have a a system that's, that keeps us uh, playing in our own yard, so to speak. Uh, we have really, really good relationships with most of our franchisees, our neighbors. Um, I can tell you that we're all in it together. We talk all the time, and it just doesn't make sense for us to go in each other's backyards. So uh, I don't really worry about encroachment as much in my particular industry because we're really a, another part of us keeping our costs down is not traveling too far. Um, so as far as me deciding as a Tampa fish franchisee, I'm not going to go to Palm Harbor and make 50 bucks. It just makes sense. I'm going to call Dan and have him go do it. So um, as far as what they give to me, what does the franchise do for me as far as terms of support? They have been instrumental through this entire piece. Um, Our president has emailed us multiple times a day, if not daily. He's a a member of IFA and he's involved in all the calls. We have a franchise advisory board, represents our entire country. They sit on these calls, they listen in. That way I don't have to do all that. I was solo. I can't imagine the info overload I'm getting already just has this little fish window cleaning. I can quickly, you know, ask John in New Orleans who does that for me and he gives me the updates. Yeah. Um, so we're lucky. Not all franchises are as, that's why I pick fish. It's yeah. a special community. Yeah. They, uh, you said that to me before when I talked to you, like the, when you were trying to decide, you headed down to a couple franchise opportunities and this, you put, you chose this mostly because of the support and the, just the fact that they really, uh, showed the care and the support and they had just, they just really put their arms around you and really showed you the kind of uh, organization they were. And you got that during the um, evaluation process, right? And it's, and it's kind of held up over, over time. Yeah, there was, a, there was just, there was nothing that they weren't willing to tell me. I may not have not, I may not have wanted to ask the questions or phrase them in the right way to kind of figure some mm. of the, the hard way, but I think they're, if I give anybody advice at this point, it's no matter what you're doing, the first two to three years suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> tough. Right. <laughs> and then a pandemic happens. Yeah. I know. I try to tell people this. I try to tell people this. I was just doing the lecture today and somebody like it's, it's, I take, I think I gave it last week. I always do this. Like whatever you imagine will be uh, the, the customers and whatever you imagine will happen. Um, the, the difficulty of that multiplied by five, it, 
the, the all the all the customers that you imagine that are going to come divide by like five or ten. Nothing will come as easy as you imagine it. Uh, nothing, right? And uh, and and that's the expectation that I think all like startup folks need to have in their mind. Like it's going to take more time. And by the way, the runway, anything you think you can do in a month or two is going to take five or six months. Anything that you think will um, generate X is going to be just five X worse than that. And I I hate. I hate to throw cold water on, on folks with that, but I'd rather do that than them to have like lowered expectations so that um, they're ready for the, for the, uh, for the challenge. Right. Correct. I, yeah, I don't know. That's, I'm just not afraid of hard work and <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's actually, that was invigorating for me because playing in this world where ever, everything's just like a layup hasn't been as exciting. Mm-hmm. And just, don't you know it's not fighting for it it's just not it's worth it in the end right right so let's walk through that real quick i think that's a great topic for any this can apply the following can apply to anybody that's uh gonna have a startup so what were the first three to four months like for you (laughs) (laughs) come on i never asked you that question yeah it is new they um they were exciting i was exciting yes exciting yes yeah. oh it was the honey it was a honeymoon for probably the first 18 months i'll be honest the first four months i can walk you through those like, the highlights were i mean i just took off like a bat out of hell and was signing up customers and then i i didn't know before i bought my franchise that there had been a franchisee operating so it was simple it was like you know low-hanging fruit stealing kid from a can or candy from a you know kid or whatever and I'm walking around just signing people up They're like where have you been I'm like we're right here we'll clean you next week it was easy and the hard part was finding employees and I had I went through a lot of and I had a lot of um yeah. a lot of challenges at first yeah <clears throat> a lot of riffraff yeah and I had people taking advantage I had people that would lie unreliable my whatever. core values like you know, well, you lied on your application. I, you have to go. Like, you yeah. know, that was. But then the the reality of that was, and I'll never forget. It was like January fourth, twenty eighteen, and um, it was a. I say that date because it was a very short day of daylight, and I was out in Temple Terrace cleaning this account. We still have it to this day, thank God. But it was. Um, I was out there all day by myself, and it was dark, and I'm still cleaning the windows frantically, and I'm just thinking, I literally gave up six figures for this, and. I, I can't I did this. Why did I do this? And it was a moment. And that so that was probably you know, I started in October and 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 that was tough. And there's people that year again, 2018 was just, you know, grow, 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 figure it out later. Wow. And you had to like, okay, so this is a good segue into your mental toughness. So we talked we said we were gonna talk about this. Um let's First of all, before we get into mental toughness, let's look at the let's scan the uh, question field here. Um, let's see. Mike talks about um, okay, offer what you could have done on your own. Okay, interesting to talk about what the franchise offered. You, I think you covered that. You go, girl. Lisa says, by the way, and she she's loving that. Um, and then um, and then maybe interesting to ask what the okay okay franchise fees. I've seen have run from eight to thirteen percent of top line revenue, depending on location. Do you mind disclosing something approximately? Like, what do you have to pay for this? I mean, oh, uh, file. Yeah, I'll be a hundred percent transparent. Eight sure. percent royalties, which is heavy. You said eight. You said eight. 
percent is my royalty and a percent. Um, so nine in total, I pay a percent in um, marketing and branding fees. Yeah. And as my revenue increases, there is a decrease, but that doesn't happen until I, I, my revenue goes over 600,000. So that's the benchmark right now. So, so, um, do you feel like it's worth every penny when you pay that out? Do you feel like, do you feel great about it? You do, right? Because it's hurting right now. I mean, on Tuesdays they take that out. And so it's for, it's, it's a four week in arrears. So right. I mean, I was having good, good. So there's, they're taking that 9% out. Um, and the only thing I can think of is, oh, I better give them a call and see what they can do for me today. Take that out of my account. Right. Hey, I've got a friend who, um, I've got a friend down the street who owned Disney, uh, Dairy Queen, uh, brick and he owned Dairy Queen stores and he actually ended up buying buildings and he ended up leasing back. Dairy Queen has been calling him to ask for relief um, on, on, their, on his leases. <laughs> I sat in a Dairy Queen line today yeah. for three minutes. Yeah. I finally had an abandoned ship. It was, it was it almost took that mental toughness right out the window. <laughs> what criteria would you have been on your list when finalizing becoming a franchisee that wasn't on your list when you made the decision? That's from Mike. Like what, what, um, what ended up um, being there when you made the decision, but you wish you could have had on your, on your list, but you've had a great experience. So this is a tough question for you. You've, you've, yeah, you've, really really been pleased. you've not, I don't, I've never heard you say anything I've talked to you a dozen times. I've never heard you say anything like, you know, they're great, but there's this one thing I wish they did better. I've never heard you say it. I'm still fuzzy on financials and mm-hmm. I feel like I should have been, Hey, break that down a little bit more for me. Or I should have asked a little bit more extra advice or I should have asked someone that was in my situation. Okay. If you were looking to borrow this much and put and, and invest this much, what would you do? But I feel I just was, that's where I kind of took the leap of faith. I was like, it's going to work. Right. I'm going to just be a superstar and it's going to work. So I wish I would have stopped and done that a little bit more because what people don't realize is these franchisees, they'll tell you everything. They don't want anyone in the system that is coming in with, with some kind of preconceived notion that things are either better or worse. They want facts. So I've been very transparent with franchisees. Um, And so now that I'm, I'm in it. I wish that I had said, sometimes when people on the phone, I'm like, I feel like you want to ask me this. So why don't I just go ahead and tell you? Got it. Um, franchise, do franchise, um, um, do franchises keep you from expanding your offerings or can you add on, um, as you wish, i.e. car wash, window cleaning? Can you, or do you have any leeway with your offerings? We do. We, there are some certain restrictions that are in my franchise agreements, such as, uh, power washing, pressure washing, soft washing, roof washing um can't do those i can do those but i can't come up with you know dolphin pressure washing oh you got to brand it you got to keep it branded under fish correct so um, you know there's again we're a window cleaning company nationwide that's what we do um but there are franchisees that have actually um branded branched off and became uh, maybe screen replacement companies because that's a, a great business to be in um, and I've thought about absolutely continuing to leverage what I do now into other companies. Got it. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, all right. So um, we've, we're going to, uh, I want to, anybody that, if anybody wants to get on the mic, we've got this little icon in the lower right hand corner. It's a little um, raise your hand mics. Um, and I can see that. So if anybody wants to get into the conversation, because um, that's, that's ideal. We, you know, that really makes the show um, 
really, really pop. So, Cole, back to this thing about, okay, so here's part of my premise for this show is that we've got a really, you've got like, first of all, you know, for me, I've just interacted and worked with more than 100 founders all the time. And I've got all these founder entrepreneur friends. So hopefully I can throw a little bit of advice out there. But, but we've got someone like yourself who actually did it. So what would you be doing right now? Just a question, right? What would you be doing right now if you were like in a job or whatever? Take yourself back five years. This situation that we're in right now, does anything come to mind that you'd be you'd be like working on? <laughs> come on, you got it. I can't help but think that, oh my gosh, if this had happened when I was in my previous job, I could have yeah. gotten so much more work done yeah. because only having to go places and so i'm super jealous of all my friends that are still at the company they're, just, they're crushing it yeah, yeah they're, they're crushing it. it yeah they are they're getting yeah. everything it's because i was always just so behind on tasks but always so willing to say because you had to because you had to run around town because you already had to run around town and make appointments you like burn a lot of extra you could just be like lining them up on your zoom right exactly and then you know and then i think that that's where i probably would see like now I can see that everyone's like, oh, everything's going to go digital and we're going to do business over. But no, I'm not going to clean your your windows through Zoom and nor will I ever. Um, so I'm going to have to come out and physically do that for you. So it's impacting my industry a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be essentially needed at some point how we approach the work, what we use, the materials, et cetera. That's going to change, but not as much as I think this will be pivotal for a lot of companies that, yeah, um, I think it's going to be good and bad to it too, Alan. I think that at some point, you know, losing that human touch factor, I'm a yeah. hugger. Everybody knows that I'm a <laughs> I know that. I know that. So Cole, I got a question for you. So what about that young, that Cole Robinson that maybe only had five or $10,000 saved at like, you know, whatever, almost zero, near zero. And you were in that sales job, right? Just really put yourself back right now. Like imagine you in that job. Okay, right now, let me ask you, A, B, C, A, would you just like trust that you're going to, your job's going to be fine because you're the top salesperson, you're just going to keep calling and, uh, you know, and you're just going to like head in the sand on that, you know, B, are you just going to kind of, kind of freeze and like, like, you know, like wonder what you should be doing, you know, or, or C, are you going to be like, working like okay um i'm gonna make i gotta get to i gotta get started on making my move i gotta do something okay so who cole robinson this this economic situation with very little money in the bank top salesperson top salesperson in the company i probably would have been just been a <laughs> good honest i love it yeah i love it i would have been a especially if you look at my life five years ago i yeah I, would have been A. I would have said if I if I continue to follow this path, it'll get me to where I am. I keep my ear on C. What might be out there? What would I want to do? What's going to change in the future? I'm um, like I was taking frivolous notes over here. You know when we were talking about the the real estate and the cost and the depreciation and thinking, wow, that's something new. That's something totally different. I'm going to keep my ears on this. I want to own a commercial building someday. That's part of my goals. Right. That's right. Michelle, that was cool. Michelle said that. We're like, okay, wait a minute. We all need to, we need to up our game a little bit. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, sometimes it's just where you are at the 
place and you know you fall into so something. so now that but but now that you look at it so you would have been the a right that's why i'm glad we asked this question you'd have been the a you'd have been the person because you were the, the high achiever top salesperson you'd have been company loyal you'd have been loyal because you were loyal and you'd have been like hey let's just keep trying let's keep selling which is what you would want of your employees today let's be honest right so what would okay but but if you're if you're sitting where you are now and you're kind of trying to signal a message to to your old self you know what what kind of would you say to this like to your old self right honestly like would you say hey girl don't be silly like you need to realize that i mean i'm going to go ahead and throw you a bone here you need to realize that this is real this economy may or may not whatever you need to start thinking about taking care of yourself and not being be you know like so dependent on a on a job and a, and a job right like if you could so is, did i go too far there what do you think you had a nerve with the loyalty piece because i yeah. would um i would kind of see this offer like right now it's just difficult for companies to attract talent it's difficult for them to really change kind of what's going on with their pipeline right now a lot of people are frozen in place I would have, if it were me, I would have been like, I'm by your side. I'm your girl. Everybody knows this about me. I think somebody's on the call right now that was my employer and they know this about me. <laughs> like, you can count on me. I will not abandon ship. We're going to keep this thing on track. We're going to grow. And um, it's never been, I've never really been, a, I can't think selfishly because the, the reason why I've been successful in my career is because I've always had a, a, a purpose that's higher than, than that. I just faith is, is like the center of everything for me. And it's, I really feel like the only way you really get ahead is putting, putting um, people outside people at first. I just really feel like that's, I'm motivated by my employees um, that they, they kill me. They hurt me that it's more tragic and they, they don't respect the fact that I'm the one out cleaning the windows to make sure I keep the business alive. So they have a job to come back to um, my family um, the people, the obligations, you know, being on this webcast for you, being a member of my chamber, being involved as a board member for nonprofits, I have to just continue for those reasons. So I just don't, I don't think I could ever put my self-interest first. As far as looking at it from entrepreneurial, I think that's where it came down to. I knew that I could do more on my own for the greater good than I was doing where I was before. Right. I, I had reached, I had peaked, I had outgrown where they were and I think about when I left, when I took my leap and I left and I left them in a better position than I found them in. And that's yeah. Girl Scout in me. That's cool. So you, so basically when times get tough, you want to circle the wagons and, 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 and pull in the tribe and let's fight together. That's your mentality. I get that. And mm -hmm. I think that's admirable. I'm, I'm kind of in that camp too. Um, and so I, I think that's that's pretty powerful. That's a great great answer. Michelle says, Cole, did you reach out to people for help when you started off? Um, by the way, Michelle says good karma. She says good, no limits. And um, but then she asked about, you know, did, did you reach out for help? And we, yeah, I kind of know the answer to this, but go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I um, have like four directors, people that I go over everything with. Um, but when you started, but no, when you were in your job job you reached out you, you found a mentor absolutely so i spent several years feeling like i know i need to do something else and, and i basically laugh i mean i did i remember i go back now and look at journals and think 
can't believe I was already talking to people. I knew I wanted to leave, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something else. And I do just reach out to specifically, I'm really drawn to successful or Mm -hmm. strong women. So it'd be, let's have coffee. Let's have lunch. Let me pick your brain. I want to know where you are and, and how you got there. And are you happy with that? And give me advice. And what do you think? And how do you, where do you see me? Um, and it, it really, that was, that was really important to me because um, if I had not have done that, I, I couldn't have really done some of the self work that needed to happen there. And then when it came down to the nuts and bolts of things, I got a, a score mentor. Um, I reached out to, of course, the franchise. That's that was like the easy part. And they give you the entire FDD document with every franchisee. I talked to twelve of them. Yep. But the difference between somebody who is, you know, you're paying for their support versus somebody who is who is kind of volunteering and giving you their their support. That's like that's the difference. Well, pre-purchase, there was I had a broker that I worked with, but they're still trying to sell you. There's been no there's been no transaction. They're giving you the information like you can talk to all these people. You don't have to, you know, no obligation to you at all. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so you you had a lot of. I mean, I remember talking to you. You had a lot of people. You you were listing a mentor and a lot of uh, just a lot of support um, going into this, um, which ultimately I think dictated a lot of the success that you that you found. Um, okay, so so basically, it sounds like the message you have. Cole is, you know, when times get tough, don't get selfish, circle the wagons and pull close with your family and your tribe and fight, fight, fight together. Right. I think that's a great, I think that a lot of us have that feeling. Right. Um, but if, if, um, if you don't feel secure, let me just put this scenario for you on a second. If you don't, if, if you don't feel secure, and um and you don't feel like your job is uh like you're not appreciated or your job is not secure and you're kind of like hanging on a limb um and you get into a situation like this it might it, it might make sense to make some make some alternative plans totally right? i think that is it's a big wake up call for a lot of things for businesses i'm pulling together financials i'm looking at things i'm looking at budget but you have to do a personal inventory too if your resume to speed, I had 650 applicants, Alan, in the last two weeks, 650. And so I'm going through and these people have just hit this automatic button on Indeed and the thing's two and three years old. So wow. time to have freshen up everything. It's time to um, reach out to those. Everyone's at home. So reach out to those people that, that, you know, you consider a reference and make sure, Hey, what are you doing? Are you still live? Are you still, are right. you, you know, what's going on? Sorry. I'm gonna take the spotlight off of me. The art lights not, not working anymore. <laughs> hey, there you go. Good. Yeah. There you go. There we go. That's good. Yeah. You, well, yeah, that's better. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. You're uh, more sorry, natural. That's, uh, yeah. That's great. It's great. But you know what? That's probably was perfect earlier. Now you're not, it's perfect. Okay. Um, is anybody yeah, out there? <laughs> Lisa says, "Wow, hey Lisa, do you want to? Uh, is anybody brave enough to go microphone? Because if you are, um, I'd like you to raise your hand and uh, so you can get in on this because we're uh, we appreciate the uh, input. Um, and that goes for you as well, um, Carl and Cal and and uh, anybody else that wants to uh, weigh in. 
So, so Carl's got a question. I'm going to go ahead and throw Carl up on, uh, on mic. Here we go. Um, Hey Carl, uh, you're on and it might be a little bit of a lag. So, um, let's, let's do this. Hey Carl, have you ever saved a hundred thousand dollars plus to start your business? A little loaded um, question. Can, I don't, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you, Cole, by the way. Um, you know, and congratulations on your business. I, I have a question for you. Um, I'm familiar with franchisees and people who have had franchises and have worked for a couple of them. Um, and I'm just curious, um, back in the 70s, uh, I met a young man who started off washing windows with an old pickup truck, a bucket, water, and a squeegee. And he ended up um, doing two chain stores with about 100 to 150 stores each. And it's about 16 employees. And he started off, and he was still doing them himself, by the way, um, with all those employees. And I was just wondering what it is about the franchise. I mean, because it's really a pretty simple business concept, I would think. What did they offer you that you could not have done on your own? That's a great question. Yeah, because it, the obvious question there, Cole, is, you know, why, like, why did you need fish when you could have, you know, this is pretty straightforward stuff. Absolutely. I'm, I think that's like such the obvious question. I was overlooking it when I was getting sold in this franchise and this family concept and et cetera. And I, I guess I could have the brand name does sell itself. And we do have a lot of, um, we have a lot of national and regional brand recognition. So that was one of the pieces of that. Um, I didn't want to go and I, I had no concept of window cleaning and I didn't know if I could just go buy, um, uh, you know, equipment and, and know what I would be doing. So I was buying that training. I was buying that launching pad. I was buying the business process and, and buying into the network of people that I doing business with for and to with now. And it was, it's definitely the question for me now buying a franchise in all honesty, I, I, I I read a lot of really good books about franchising that said, you know, yeah, your first year or two, things are great. About year three through five, you start to feel like, why am I paying these people? And then five years and beyond, you start, you kind of get, come to this sense of peace with their decision and the fact that you exist in this, uh, you know, this place with this franchisee that gets the money. Um, and I think I'm going through all those pieces right now. And I, I know that at some point, I, I don't know that I'm going to have a franchise for my yeah. next business, but I knew it's what I wanted to begin with because they were not just teaching me how to clean windows. I could figure that out on my own. They were teaching me how to run a business. And that's even perfect. though I, that's a perfect statement. That's a perfect they, statement. The, the back office running a business, um, the lead generation, the, the, is one thing, but I think you really nailed the nailed on the head with the teaching you how to run a business and the, and all that goes into that. Someone did ask too, and I I don't know. It may have been Lisa, and I know she had to jump off. Um, but someone asked how we market our business, and we are we're really like guerrilla um, on the streets. We go door to door. Um, but I do a lot of business networking, so um, I'm I'm spending a lot of time. And um, that's just what I like to personally do in my my mm -hmm. professional. And so that's really paid off in a lot of ways to give us a much higher um, level of exposure. 
Uh, someone also asked about our competitors, and we that that guy we call him Bucket Bob, and more specifically in Carrollwood, we've got Bucket Barbara. And word on the street is that the COVID may have put her out of business. So we're going <laughs> after the client, Barbara. Just letting you know, but she's alive and well, and you know she can cut my price twenty, forty percent, right. and that's fine. But I, I'm still gonna be here in five years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Does, I hope everyone is noticing this the 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 entrepreneurial mindset right now. I hope everybody's picking up on this. <laughs> it's a highly competitive it's a highly competitive mindset. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and so, is anybody uh, else? Uh, let's see. Colt, Mike says, "Hey, Colt, thanks for sharing. Your authenticity really comes through and sharing your experience." Um, and then Lisa, thank you for putting your email out there. Um, Cole, you're going to get the. Tra- transcript of this so you guys can connect and by the way lisa you can email me and i'll make sure you connect with cole um cole you are awesome all the best to you during the COVID and beyond um and then cole you like the game competition drives best wishes that's awesome um anybody want to uh, throw another big question out there before we um you know get too far towards the end here anybody else got a uh a question for Cole, but you know ultimately cole i'm i'm working on this audience i really want to to be of help to people, right? And I think we've, we've kind of danced around it a lot on this on this meeting so far on this call. Um, but I'm kind of going to come circle back around on you and keep kind of jabbing and bobbing and weaving with you on this. Of um, you had a friend, if you had a friend right now, a friend, a, a dear friend that was in a job that clearly that friend is subject to losing that job very soon. Um, and you know you wanted to give them some advice and they but they and they and they were very talented right they were a very talented person and that you they knew clear it's clear that they have talent in them beyond just going to get a job what what did i mean given this environment right now there's not a lot of hiring going on just what kind of what would that conversation look like between you and your friend i'm just curious well there's a lot of talk about pivoting right now and yeah. I feel like the same way that I would, I mean, some of my employees I, I care deeply for and try to have the discussion about, well, what's going to make more sense here? Do you need to sit at home and collect unemployment? Um, do we need to look at doing, you know, the expanded FMLA leave? And it's really, it's been in that employee's market for some time, but now where you have so much leniency out there with, you know, your utility companies, your mortgage, your land, Landlords, you're, I mean, maybe it's time to take a personal, a little bit of a risk and, you know, lay low, but really think and dive into that. Everybody has a lot more time on their hands. And I, I mean, that was part of the reason why it took me two years to really figure out what I wanted to do next was there was reading, there was meeting with people, there was, there was experiences, which I'm not sure that we can necessarily have right now, but there's being on webinars like this or um, being a part of pot, listening to some new podcasts and getting a feel for things. Um, but it's a great time to absorb some of that. And a good friend of mine that actually made a leap and went into medical device and sales um, after leaving the organization that we were with, he's taking this time to become more educated. He's actually pivoting within the company into a, a completely different department. He's, you know, he's taking this time to go, okay, well, I know everything about the ankles and now I want to know about the knees. I can't remember exactly which body part it was, but he's <laughs> body part. So I clean windows now. I don't have to get technical. <laughs> <laughs> so so it sounds like your advice there was more about 
you know, edu- you know, self, some self-education and, and study up on some things that you've been putting off and maybe sharpen your saw a little bit on your skill set. Um, but you know where I'm driving on this, right? You know, where I'm driving towards, which is, you know, are there any entrepreneurial, um, you know, hustling that could happen for people, whether they're selling on Amazon or they're starting their own window cleaning business <laughs> sorry, sorry. To put that out there. I had to do you. that. I'm just rankling you on that one. I'm just rankling you on that one. But you know, <laughs> but like, you know, you you haven't really said that you would be recommending to a friend to work on a business. It's not a bad idea right now. It's definitely it's going to be tough. I know that's too much. Sorry. Too much, too much. I was thinking more to this. Don't fire, don't fire your assistant. That's perfect. Now you're perfect. You're perfect now. My, my lighting director is fired. Yeah, you're so he's so fired. By the way, you're you're pretty good. You're pretty good right now. Oh, that's perfect. Wait, halfway. Perfect. Good. Okay. Here we go. Anyway, back to this question about you know, you know, you were about to say it's a good time to th- if somebody has it in them to to start something. You're saying now is not a bad time. It's not a bad time. I mean, there's going to be some low barriers to entry they're gonna have to i mean our economy we we're the small business is our backbone and small businesses you know under 50 employees and they're not what you think that they are they they're going to need to exist they're going to need to be born and so you know like just like everything else has been on pause for a little while there's probably a lot of people that are on pause to try to to take mm-hmm. their life like that um but if, if it were a friend that was evident they were burned out or ready to move on or maybe they're going to lose their job they could not help it or they've already lost it you know making lemonade i love that you know, now's maybe the time maybe is the time and maybe now's the time to also i'll never forget being i've always been really protective of my resume i didn't want to look like i hopped around a lot but i think everyone's going to look back at 2020 and go okay so you tried a couple of different things in 2020 we get it everybody did <laughs> so you're not gonna have that shame of wow, you job hopped in 2020 three times. It's gonna be well, you know, I did what I had to do to survive. Like I was side hustling. You can't believe the stuff I was side hustling in 2020. Selling books, <laughs> knives. Yeah, <laughs> I was selling on Amazon. I had an Amazon store. Yes, we, I think we have one. I think my husband <laughs> on Amazon right now. I don't know. Right. But I think it's. I don't think it's a. Uh, you know, it's not ideal, but it wasn't ideal to to graduate from college after 9-11. And it wasn't ideal to have a baby in 2008. And, you know, maybe not everything is, is meant to be done during an ideal time. Right. So the kind of the last question I would ask around this is, um, by the way, Michelle, like, thinks she, Michelle's a big fan of yours right now. So here's what I would say. The other thing I would throw out there, final question kind of thing is, what the hell would someone start right now? Like, this is a weird moment. Like I had, I had a guest a couple weeks ago. She said, start like a puppet YouTube show for kids because kids are at home and they need to be out. And by the way, it's a great idea, but like, that's how wild this is right now. So if you had any crazy weird ideas that either you've thought of, or someone has said to you about like what people, what, like, what's the business idea right now? Well, I mean, so this was like my favorite Loving the fact that we just got hand sanitizer from St. Pete Distillery today, right? But I just bought a bunch of cleaning supplies. Like, 
I felt like I'm a black market this week. <laughs> I know I bought them from some gym owners that see, could see this coming and decided to buy surplus of materials so that they could, you know, profit from it a little bit, but then also get it into the right hands. So I, mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity create, creatively. You know, here I am thinking just in my own business, I know that I need to focus on that word. Yeah, you're locked in. You're locked in. But but somebody who's not locked yeah. in, they, they, have a fresh, think, they have a fresh opening. I, you know, what you said about the, the puppet show and things like that, I think people are going to be craving entertainment. They're going to be craving interaction. So I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to look at, you know, how do you – you're going to have those – those industries are going to come back. And some of those folks, like I've talked to my team – we're going to lose some clients because some of our clients are going to decide now's the time, you know, the writing was on the wall. It's time to go ahead and close our shop up. We're, we're done. And so there's going to be opportunities for new businesses to emerge. So you don't know. And by the way, there's going to be deals on, on, on commercial leasing. I mean, if you want to lease some space in a couple of months, you're going to be able to, if, if you, if you've got any means at all, you can, you can get some deals. Am I right? I really hate the salt in the wound. I really decided <laughs> ridiculous lease because we were in the exact opposite situation. I know. Oh, oh. But you're right. Absolutely. So there's going to be low cost of barriers. You, by the way, and you know what you've, you you know, this as well as I do, you, you got some really lucky breaks during the, the last recession. And, you know, you kind of, you know, if you bought your house, like, you know, on a down low or whatever, like, so it's, it's time, you know, so if anybody can, can catch the right time, Timing to to then good on them right good on them to catch timing right um, and that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty pretty great um, by the way just weird stuff like Airbnb I don't know if you guys saw this this week but Airbnb just launched their new uh, thing called um, experiences have you heard about this no so it's Airbnb experiences and 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 they, they actually they've had it uh, under the cover for a while that they just announced it like less than a week ago, but they've had it going on for a couple months. And it's basically um, uh, and I'm actually I'm actually going to share this because it's it's uh, B&B. It's, it's kind of worth showing. Um, it's uh, it's kind of worth showing. I'm going to actually show my um, my screen right now. Give me uh, give me one second. Check this out. Um just because I think that, um, let's see, if I run an app, doo, doo, doo. okay, give me one second here, cancel. cancel. Well, I can tell you while you're doing that, just to everybody, like there's some great deals on travel right now, and I have definitely been taking advantage of that. Right, exactly. Um, let me do the, uh, let me, whoops, let me do the share screen, because I think people might get a kick out of this. Um, and uh, open app some reason it's not quite i think i hit the wrong setting damn it but but um uh basically you can charge people to show up and you can you can actually charge people to like teach cooking or like how to like you know do like you said like puppets for kids or like uh do a certain dance style or something like that there's all of these interesting um there's all of these interesting uh, um, like Airbnb experiences. There's so many different ways to make money remotely. Bottom line is, is that, that this, what we're doing right now is the new abnormal and you, and there's opportunities to make money um, 
over remote, right? And I know it's so far from your world, Cole. You 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 made your you made your bed, you made your stake, and you're going to make that work. But again, people out there who have a fresh start, they probably should pick something. They should probably pick something that fits this new this new reality. Am I right? I'm the opposite. I'm the kind of person that's like, well. Everybody's going to be running toward that, right? Everybody's going to be screaming okay. towards Okay, okay. I like it. I mean, I, that's why I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a workforce development person. So I'm like, who's going to be, you know, someone still has to come fix your plumbing. Someone still has to come and, and fix the electrical. So, you know, I'm thinking more like, okay, well, while everybody else is looking at the new shiny thing uh, over here, I'm going to go behind them and I'm going to go see what I can, what I can pick up on that might be a little less glamorous. Uh oh! I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, Ooh. sorry. So wait a minute. So <laughs> you were almost by yourself. <laughs> I was like, all right. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wayne's world. Another Wayne's World moment. Like whoa. Hey. Um. So you were basically saying that you're a little counterintuitive on that. You're like, hey, stick with the real world stuff. You were saying like, like hang in there. I think that's what I heard. Absolutely. And I don't know if I shared this. I'm the chair of the Workforce Development Committee this year at the Tampa Bay Chamber. And, and we had a whole year plugged with how do we fix our workforce development gap? And like, oh, well, we didn't anticipate us having, you know, this complete upswing in unemployment. I think that we're going to have some, we're going to have some ability to fill some of those vacancies. People are going to be looking to be retrained to do different jobs um, because they may not have the jobs they had before. So, um, it's a, it's a difference there, but I do think I think there's going to still be a need there that that is not going away because of a pandemic. That's there right. is still growth in population. I mean, we we might look back there may, may be a baby boom, right? We talked about yeah. that's been in the news. Yeah, that's that's for real, right? And by the way, I, I'm actually imagining that that uh, I. I can already just imagine in a month or so, like people are going to be like freaking out when they can go back out to restaurants and do like stuff in the public, right? I mean, I think there, there could be a real big insurgence back of spending and activity. Um, I don't just hope that. I actually know that's going to be probably true because I personally am going to do that, right? I'm personally going to be like geeky and like, like, uh, like super like freakish about being back out in public. I know I'm going to personally. Do you, what, what are the first three things? I know everybody's already kind of come up with this list. Like if you won the lottery, yeah. what would you do? What is your oh. first three things that you're going to go do? Oh, when I get out of here, when I get out of this cage I'm in, right? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to go out to dinner. That's going to, that's an easy one, right? Okay. That's an, that's an easy one. And, uh, I'm and I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a proper haircut. I think. That's a good one. It looks good though. I don't know. No, no, I think no, this is not. This is not good. This is. This is my da my daughter. By the way, she did a great job. But um, she, did. she did a great job. But this is my my daughter's been been helping me cut my hair. Um, so yeah, uh, out to eat, a proper haircut, and um, you know what else would I throw out there that I would look forward to doing? Um, just seeing my coworker, you know, people that I work with in person. You know, it's like. Uh, uh, that that'll be kind of weird. It's gonna be really exciting to like see somebody in the flesh, you know. Yes. That's my that's my top three. Question here for us, and I know we're getting. It seems yeah. us about offering telehealth. It seems like really regulatory. Absolutely. Um, this is nothing to do with what I do, but it's exactly what my husband's company does. Yeah. They 
immediately if you're not doing it you need to be doing it because yeah. it is that i think is going to be the biggest change which will be interesting when it comes in terms to commercial real estate because how many doctor's offices do we need if doctors are able to do this from home right yeah, yeah. um so i think that telehealth is absolutely the future and if you're not already making your pathway to do it you should be that's right. That's right. Now, what's great about my world is in startup world, I've, I've got I've had two to three telehealth companies at, at, around me at all times for the last five years, and they've all kind of struggled to get traction. And all of a sudden now they won't return my phone calls because they're, they're, it's their time is their time. You know, um, exactly. Cal says, says I'm looking at offering health share to small businesses using telehealth. And it seems like the regulatory barriers have been okay. So Cal, just so you know, Cal, I've got a great, like I said, I've always got two or three early stage tech companies in telehealth that, um, that you might be able to white label or get in the door and might be a part of. So reach out to me because, um, I've got a few of those at all times there. That, that's been a thing for a while, but all of a sudden now it's interesting to watch companies that I've watched struggle all of a sudden, Boom! Overnight, they're like they're the darlings of of uh, of tech. I'm watching that happen. Old commercial like 20 years ago, where the the tech company launches and they're watching the ticker, and yeah. it's like this is their first sale. They yeah. all celebrate, and yeah. then it goes like to 10,000, and they yeah. all sort of look at each other like, right. <laughs> "You're right." Well, yeah, exactly. They, but you know, it, it sometimes uh, clearly you can, you know. Um, these kinds of things can open up opportunities. And, and so my, my heart obviously goes out to other people in the struggle. Um, and that's kind of my, my commitment in life and, and dedication is to try to be of help to that. I think tonight we did, I think, I think, um, I think people hopefully picked up on the spirit of you, Cole, and, and what you represent and what, what you're driven by, because, um, I, I feel like that, uh, that, we, we have to, unfortunately, we do need to kind of look out for ourselves a little bit. Um, again, go back to the Cole Robinson that was in that job, right? Like, imagine um, imagine Cole Robinson today, if you were like just laid off or worried about being laid off. You're, you're in control of your destiny, even though you're in a really tough spot right now as a business owner, you're still in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat, right? And that's, that's, that's kind of a big, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, I'm looking at you now and I'm going, I'm not looking at an employee right now. I'm not looking at someone who works for somebody right now. I'm not, I'm looking at somebody who's empowered, a powerful woman, who's, who's empowered. And even though it's really messed up, you're in that cockpit, you know? And, uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, would, would really, really have it, have the skill and the chops to be in that cockpit. I don't ever want to push somebody that isn't cut out to be an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur. But I always say to people, you know, you know it if it's you. I like to say that to people because don't don't look at me to tell you if you're an entrepreneur or going to future entrepreneur. Don't look at me. I can't answer that question for you. You know, right? My job really is just to like unlock you and give you the kind of the confidence kicker to bump you out of the nest and you know make you do you know the things that you should do to go fulfill your destiny, right? Exactly. Oh, that resonate? That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, and um, you know, I feel the same way. And I think that it's all you have a choice Mm -hmm. about what our attitude is going to be like. And there are some other factors that can get in there, you know, crazy situation included. But we have a choice how we're going to look at it. And 
um, if you find yourself in that point, you know, it's okay to ask permission people around you and to say, I, I need a break. I need to get, you know, I need some time to decompress. And I think that's really important. I think mental health more than anything is really important right now. And um, it's, 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 it's tough to see people snapping and to see people doing things that they normally wouldn't do. And it's tough when it happens to myself, but I think you're, you're right on. Um, with right now is, but when it comes to us, this is a good indication. If you're, if you're the kind of person that's like hunkered down deep in your soul and you're keeping an even keel and you're looking for all these opportunities, then maybe that entrepreneur is inside of you. And, and if you haven't right. thought they were, this is a good test. It's almost like two, two lanes to go down, either go down the lane of circling the wagons with your family and your employer and your team and just double down on trying to survive it and like do your best contribution, which you said earlier, you'd be like that case back then, right? Yeah. Or if you're not connected, if you're not connected to your, your tribe and your company and you feel lost and you feel like you've always wanted more independence and, and you just, then don't double down on something that's not serving you. Take this opportunity to, to, to you know, plan your move, right? Absolutely. But don't, whatever you do, don't go sit in the middle and be wishy-washy, right? Unless the wishy-washy is helping you filter through the feelings. Because I've, I've, I feel like I've been there a little bit too. There's sometimes when you have to be, you know, like a little bit of a sea sponge and let those things kind of roll over you. I spent some time thinking about pivoting into a completely different industry. Um, I wanted to go into animal health so bad. I spent money going to conventions. I interviewed. I I spent months thinking I was going to be in in sales and, and animal health. Really? Months. And I thought that's where I was going. And then I had this uh, call with this franchise broker that changed my life. Oh, that was so that was when you were looking to make your change. That was your first choice. Yeah, it was. I thought that I wanted to be around pets and I wanted to help and like that was going to be make a lot of sense for me okay got it so that's just goes to show that um you have to wait sometimes you have to wait for things to like marinate and wash over you right you have to wait you have to kind of wait for it to kind of come to you right and sometimes you have to sleep on it a, a certain number of nights for right i I'm, I'm definitely a driver competitive i want to get going right away but this was something this was bigger than anything that i had done before and it was definitely something that I was I was willing to give it that test time and right. to allow that to happen. Awesome, cool. That, I love how we ended this because that was some really cool advice at the end there. Honestly, like there, there's two lanes and then there's that one in the middle that like like says, "Hey, let it wash over you, let it marinate, let you let you you know, like don't pressure yourself, like let it uh, let let it come to you." Um, that's powerful. Um, everybody says thank you. Uh, Kelly says thank you. Kelly uh, says thank you. Michelle, honest. On. We had a really good crowd tonight. We did get a few. We did get a few people to, to jump in. I'm always working harder at uh, getting more people to mic up for these things. But we did okay tonight. We had two or three. That's pretty good. Um, I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. So, um, thank you, thank you, Cole. I really appreciate this. Thank you for being a guest on my uh, on my show. Um, and um, I'm gonna book you again in like six months, of course. And then, of course, you have to come back to my class and all that good stuff. And you know. You're like my, you're like one of my go-tos now. So I'm looking forward to it, especially after I want to see I what the world looks like in six months. We I wish that, I could. McFly, get the DeLorean. Let's do this. Come we on, I want to. 
Especially we had that pre-med student at the front row last time that was like falling asleep on you. Like, <laughs> this pre-med students, you know, they can't, yeah. But no, you, you've just been awesome. And thank you for like always being there for me when I needed to go to an entrepreneur that's in the mix that like can break it down and be honest and be transparent and like and really let people know what it's like. And uh, I, I feel like I've yet to peel back all the layers on Cole Robinson, honestly. Like to, there's been the other ones, but tonight there was like a couple extras in there, right? Was. I felt it. And yeah. you never know where you're going to catch somebody, especially right. if you're right. off like this. I'm like, I got I got a couple more layers to get through. I'm still super excited about that, honestly. I really am. I didn't know I had it. Um, thank you again. And we're going to sign off. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we're good. I'm going to tell job, myself okay? to tell me. Absolutely. <laughs>